Hey everybody, this is Mike Atkins. And this is Adam. And we are here to welcome you to another episode of the Almighty Podcast, as always brought to you by the Back Patio Network. And we have got a couple of things that we need to tell you about. First thing is, as you probably know, since you've been listening to our awesome podcast, we have started a second one named Kyo Cinema. And in kind of celebration, we're giving away a popcorn maker that is appropriate for the theme. Um, as you probably know, Kyle Cinema is all about Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Super, Dragon Ball Z, all the movies. We're watching them. We're talking about them. We're breaking them down. We're giving you trivia. We're, a lot of fun things are going into them. And we're giving you a Dragon Ball Z popcorn maker. Or it's a four-star Dragon Ball popcorn maker. But it's out there. Go check out BackPatioNetwork.com uh, for the official like kind of giveaway rules and everything. It's on the front page. Or check out the last episode that was posted in this feed. It should be named something along the lines of Kyo Cinema dash uh, Sleeping Princess and Devil's Castle. So check it out. We've got some more details there, and uh, we would love for you to get in on it. Get some popcorn. So I think I've laid eyes on this popcorn maker once. Like I think you sent me a link to it, and I just briefly glanced at it. I don't think I realized it was the four star. It's the Gohan. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a, it's a little four star ball. And then like the top part is the, the bowl for the popcorn. And I think there's like a little middle section of melt butter and stuff. It's pretty cool. You know, this, this goes on to prove uh, when, when Adam and I were discussing, we were going back and forth on the logo for Kyo Cinema and we drafted up a whole bunch of really neat options. At one point, we were going to have a logo that was comprised of like four logos. Yeah. Um, but we, <laughs> we had to scale it back because we were like, this is too much. Um, but one of the uh, bits of, it, of uh, input that Adam gave at one point for one of the, des- the design that we landed on was to have the ball that was outside of the popcorn bucket be the four-star ball. And I was like, yeah, but everybody does things with the four-star ball. It's, it's the most popular ball. Let's it's just true. not do that because it's everything true. is doing things with the four-star ball. And now we're giving away a popcorn maker that proves that <laughs> that point valid. You know, the same thing happened. We do a lot of other like Pathfinder, which is kind of like D&D uh, podcasts. And we when we first started, we said we don't want a die in any of our logos because it's so cliche. Like everybody's got one. And then we showed a couple of logo designs to people and they were like, well, what do you do? And we're like, crap. So we put a die in all of our logos. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's, yeah, now we're just at, uh, at a crossroads again, because you're saying we should use the thing that everybody recognizes, and I'm still like, no. Hey, well, you know what? <laughs> I love our logo. Kyle Cinema's logo is awesome. I can't wait to get it on a hat. That's like the first thing. I'm going to go and throw it on a hat and maybe a shirt. Or we, I mean, you've got that awesome Almighty Podcast shirt. We need to pick up some of those, especially for the Twitch live stream. We can show off our sweet logos, because we do those too. So Yeah, yeah, that's that's super fun, man. If you make the Kyo Cinema logo on a hat, I would love that. And that logo, like I said, was a it was a a process that involved many hands and many minds, and it turned out great. So definitely worth checking out. Um, you know, the first three episodes will be free. You, if you're listening to this podcast, you can listen to the first three episodes of Kyo Cinema. Um, going starting with the fourth episode, which is actually uh, coincidentally, this wasn't actually by design. Uh, though we probably should have claimed it was. The fourth <laughs> episode is where we begin the Dragon Ball Z movies, uh, and that is when we transition behind the Patreon uh, paywall for the Back Patio Network. But if you pay literally any money towards that Patreon, uh, then you will have access to that in a separate feed. Absolutely. And you get access to all kinds of other cool stuff, like hidden areas in our Discord channel and other podcasts and other things. So there's a lot going on on the patio. So much fun to be a part of. now. Let's get into some My Hero content. 
we are covering episodes 111 and 112, both of which are origin episodes. Uh, E11, or 111 rather, is Tenko Shimura origin, and episode 112 is Tomura Shigaraki origin. Um, this, uh, two, the two episodes of the anime cover roughly chapters 233 through 240 of the manga. These were some really intense episodes, man. Like, put on your seatbelt before you watch these if you haven't yet. They're they're rough. Not but that they're bad. They're just, they're dark. Like, this is probably the darkest stuff I think we've seen yet in My Hero. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, I would. In fact, I spent some time today debating back and forth within myself if I thought that these two episodes were the best pair of episodes uh, uh, in the anime so far as far as like one and then the next one uh i thoroughly enjoyed these two episodes there's a lot to talk about here there is so let's get started uh right off the bat 111 we pick up with twice who is like arguing over himself on who is going to measure out toga toga's laying there she's very injured probably near death and he's wanting to measure her so that way he can create a copy of her and then give her a blood transfusion from the copy. However, there's a problem. She's grown since the last time he's measured her because she's a teenager and he's rambling about this and how quickly teenagers grow. And he copies her, but it's her current state. So he can't really give her too much of a blood transfusion because I guess she's currently too damaged. Although I didn't realize his quirk quite worked that way. Like I didn't realize it was one to one. So because she's damaged, he created a cloned damaged version. Right? Yeah, I noticed that too. But and I don't it, know why was... he couldn't have just used his memory of what she was to create a, an older copy of her. Her blood would have been the same. Right? Yeah. I, I had questions about that. In, uh, in the manga, it, he talks as if he's never actually measured Toga before, as if Toga had never given him permission. Um, so I guess that is a, a difference between the manga and the anime. If that's the case, in the manga, whenever Twice invaded the tower, originally with Redestro, he created a member of every League of Villain. Did he not do that in the manga? Because he did it in the show. Toga included, I, I'm Toga wasn't sure. there in the tower. Was she not? I thought she was. Mm-mm. Okay. No, it's everybody well. except for her, and Spinner. Spinner was not there. Okay. Um, so it was like Compress, Dobby, Shigaraki, twi- uh, twice. Yeah. Okay, well, maybe I'm wrong. It, for some reason, I thought she one? was there. Okay, well, hey, you know what? We'll continue talking about what's happening with this then. <laughs> the I do thing- like, though, that this, this is the twice. Um, this is the Jim Bubai Gawara with his two broken arms twice. Um, we had mentioned in our previous episode that once he kind of had his revelation and did the sad man's parade that we never really saw the real twice again mm-hmm. uh, over the course of that episode. But this is him. He's hands-on because this is his toga, you know? So I, I really like that this isn't a clone doing this particular work. Yeah, I like this. And he, he does promise to save her. And after he promises to save her, he makes a mention of like, wow, her face is really messed up. But you know what? Dobby knows a good plastic surgeon. And I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> was that a sick burn or is he just speaking the truth? I think both. Like, I think he was like, you know, <laughs> yeah. kind of making a jab, but also the fact like, hey, it makes me realize that maybe they could have taken this guy and completely remade what he looks like. He may not even look anything like what we, we used to, you know, like. There could be some double entendre there, maybe. Maybe it's a little hint. Yeah, I could not tell if he was being, like, if he was 
picking on Dobby, basically, or if he was just like, listen, the guy's like got stitched together skin. Surely he (laughs) actually knows somebody that's good at this. Um, I think it could, like you said, function either way. And it's it's great. Either way, the line's good. Yeah. And then we transition over to Spinner, who is like he he even says he's trying to take on as much as Shigaraki, which is crazy. Like he's Uh, he's, no, no, no. I'm going to stop you right here. Okay. Okay. (laughs) This is so bad. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So. In the anime, what Spinner says is, I need to take as much of Shigaraki's load as I can. (laughs) It's not that kind of anime, but he says it like three or four times. Yes, he does. He just says, I need to take as much of Shigaraki's load as I can. In the manga, he says, I need to lighten Shigaraki's load. And that is much better word choice. I agree. That is a much better word choice. Well, in that case, he is trying to take on as many people as he can, and he actually ends up going towards God, this... That sounds terrible, too. It does. But hey, you know what? <laughs> he's heading into a big old mess anyways, because he's got this huge crowd around him that like are all messing him up pretty bad, really. He's not like prepared for this at all, I don't feel like, because immediately he, go- he goes in, and then Trumpet comes out of nowhere and starts like amping everybody up. We get his breakdown, which is really cool, is his uh, his full name is Koku Hanabata, which I think we knew, but everyone calls him Trumpet. That's his villain name. Uh, his quirk is Insight, which sends special electromagnetic waves from his voice out into the audience, and it, it boosts their morale as long as they trust him, and it causes their physical and mental abilities to get boosted, which means he's literally a bard. Um, which yeah, is awesome. This is one hundred percent bardic inspiration. That yeah. is exactly what bardic inspiration is. Which is pretty like, cool. If I'm a bard and I give you inspiration, other people would hear it, but like enemies don't get that buff. Only exactly, you do. exactly. So it's pretty awesome. I would love to see a transformation of his quirk too, where he can do like the dirge of doom, where you make other people that don't trust you scared of you. That would be really cool. Like he needs an upgrade. You know, this could be present Mike's nemesis. I would love that. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's that's good. That's a good idea. So, anyways, he sees Spinner trying to come at him, and he even he's like, "Dude, I don't think you can do anything. Like, just stand down." And Spinner's getting wrecked. Like everybody around him is either blowing him up or like flinging him into walls. A, a poor guy gets stabbed. I'm pretty sure. Like he hug. He, I say he hugs. He he is tackled by someone that just turns into spikes. He has no chance. Uh, so. Yeah, so this this was actually pretty funny in the anime and in the manga. So first, uh, one of my notes is that uh, somebody just straight up Chaozu's spinner in the anime, like jumps on him and then and self-destructs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> like uh, so I said, he got Chaozu'd. And then uh, this dude who grabs him and like uses the quills in the anime, he yells prick. And I have in my notes, I was like, is he calling him his name or shouting out his super move or both uh, in the... Uh, in the manga, he says, you're not getting the point, which I hate way more than the prick. <laughs> Whichever way prick swings, you're not getting the point is a hundred times worse. That's that's rough, man. That's a that's a pretty bad one. Uh, well, after he gets stabbed like that, he gets flung out in front of Trumpet and Trumpet literally tells him to his face, like, I don't think you can do anything. You're not the kind of person that that can do anything about this. And he, he even says something to him internally about how Spinner's quirk is not one that really has a whole lot of power behind it. I think he says something like, we're not even on the same level, which has been kind of a throughput through this whole thing. Uh, and what's crazy is Spinner agrees. He's just like, yeah, I'm not. And that's kind of why I'm with the League of Villains, because if I wasn't with them, I'd be a nobody, and all of you are exactly the same. Like, if you weren't part of the Meta Liberation Army, you'd be nobodies. So we're really one in the same, which I thought was a really good point. 
And it, it made me wonder, do you think Spinner is like Dakota or Ojiro of, of the League of Villains? Uh, I don't know. I think that his motivations are interesting here where he, like you're saying, he realizes that he is nobody, but he's trying to do something with his, you know, lame quirk in life uh, where he wa- he used to be a shut in. This is goes back, you know, the, the MLA um, has a lot of information on these guys. And so Hanabato is just like, listen, you used to be a shut in because of your quirk, you know, and you resented it. And that's why you're out doing this stuff now. But I just don't see you accomplishing anything. Uh, but we see that Spinner embraces that. He doesn't fight it. He says, yeah, you know, uh, I know that better than anyone. I don't have anything I like like Toga does or even anything I want to do. I mm-hmm. just saw this stain guy pretty much jumped on this bandwagon and here I am. Um, but I think it also at the same time, he's also Spinner is also saying, you know, I'm going to I'm going to take on some of this load from Shigaraki and even if that means I die, then that's still me doing something, which is not nothing, which is what you're saying that I'm capable of. And yeah. so I really like him kind of drawing that line in the sand here. I do too. And I think he actually puts himself on equal footing with them by saying basically like, hey, you guys are a part of something as well. You're out here trying to do the same thing I am, basically. And I, I like that. And then off in the distance, something explodes and we transfer over to Garen and Twice uh, and like, looks like they were able to save him, which is awesome. Twice, one of his doubles like melts and then pops up. It seems like, uh, so they they run off as this building is coming down around them or has come down around them, and we see Shigaraki walking up to Redestro, who is like in this rubble, and he just says, you know, how do you feel right now? Like you you have brought us into this situation, and you thought you were on top of the world, and now it's crumbling around you. So how does that make you feel? Redestro's answer is just, I'm just feeling mad, of course, which I thought was just matter of fact and to the point. And he's massive. He's like hulked out with his stress quirk, uh, which I think we learn about right here. Uh, yeah, that his name do. is Rike- his full name is Rikia Yotsubashi. Um, his meta ability is stress and it's uh, he's has the ability to store up stress changes into power. Uh, so he's kind of like the Hulk a little bit, I guess. Um, and he jumps up and does this cool like three stage like slamming attack into Shigaraki who gets kind of thrown away from that uh, uh, particular uh, attack but it looked really cool sounded really cool in the anime yeah and as he's like attacking him he says you know growing up I was taught don't judge a person by their quirk and he says something about that is kind of wrong because someone's personality really is tied to their quirk and it made me wonder if there's been like any kind of scientifical studies, you know, like has there been an actual study on this? Have they been able to tie that to something? I'd be curious if it's factual or if it's his opinion. Uh, so that's something I was kind of like, hmm, I wonder. Uh, but he asked Shigaraki, he says, you know, what, what kind of burden do you bear? And what are you going to make out of life? Or are you just this hollow man that indulges in destruction? And Shigaraki looks off to the side and he sees what he says is are Hannah's hands. And we start to get these flashbacks into Shigaraki's life. I would just like to point out, too, that in the manga, it is that the quote, the don't judge a person by their meta ability or by their quirk is attributed to having come from a book called Quirks and Us, a little children's book. <laughs> it's kind of like everybody poos, but in my hero's world. That's awesome. Uh, but yeah, we, we start getting into some of these flashbacks and this is going to be uh, quite a bit of both of these episodes, 111 and 112 is spent looking back on Shigaraki's past 
Uh, and so in this first one, um, he's having this flashback and, and there are these pairs of hands, your mothers, your grandmothers, your grandfathers, and your fathers. And this is all for one saying a heart is what well, is a well-made thing. And these negative feelings like anger and sadness, they can heal with time. So in order to keep that from happening, I'm going to have you carry these hands next to your skin. Yeah. And he says that keeping them close will keep those certain feelings away. And then we get this quick glimpse of Tanko Shimura talking to his sister, Hannah. Uh, and then we transition back into the fight, and it's Redestro like grabbing onto Shigaraki's hand, and he's crushing it, and he's telling him he's absolutely no match. He's like, you've got nothing on me. There's nothing you can do. And then Shigaraki is actually able to crack his, like, the, his fingers at this point are huge. Like, he's literally crushing Shigaraki's hand between his thumb and forefinger. So as he's crushing him, though, Shigaraki touches him with like two or three fingers and actually cracks his hand apart, which I thought was interesting. I'm surprised he didn't just completely crumble, but maybe he's got layers that cracked or something. I'm not super sure. But then that freaks him out because he was under the impression that Shigaraki had to use like full contact basically to do this. Uh, We switch back over to Shigaraki, who's having more flashbacks. And he's like scratching his head in this really crazy way. And, and I mean, it looks like he should just be scratching into his brain almost with the way that they drew it and the noise that they accompanied with it. Oh my gosh, like fingernails on leather. It, it is so horrendous. Yeah, there's some really good Foley work in here. And Shigaraki goes back on the offensive against Redestro. And Redestro is kind of analyzing what he's seeing and what he's up against now. And he's finding that he is underestimated Shigaraki and he's, he's learning this a little too late. Um, Shigaraki starts moving very, very quickly and not telegraphing his moves. And so Redestro is like, he's as graceful as a cat. And he jumps, Shigaraki jumps at Redestro and swipes with both of his hands, like in front of him from uh, up to down. And it looked exactly like the swipe that Mario does when he's in the mm-hmm. cat suit in some of the newer 3D uh, world games. And I could not not see that when he did that. Uh, but it was just silly, especially because he literally said he was as graceful as a cat. Yeah, it was uh, But funny. then he starts realizing, too, that um, he's like, if, if Shigaraki was this powerful, this fast back at Kamino, then he could have easily taken out a, a handful of heroes. So something has happened since then. And we know what that since then what has happened uh is this this ongoing non-stop battling with Gigantomachia who is another large hulking figure and so Shigaraki's got some experience uh and has leveled up to use some terminology that I think he would appreciate absolutely and I think even Redestro realizes this because he's explaining to himself kind of that Shigaraki's going through what he calls an awakening uh, and he mentions this, at, and then he starts to transform into like this bigger version where like his whole face is kind of encapsulated. And he says 80% liberation, which I guess is like Deku's version of trying to measure his percentage of all for one or one for all, uh, which I thought was kind yeah. of funny. Um, but then he pulls off a super move named Burden, and it's basically like a spirit bomb of stress energy, which sometimes I feel like maybe I could manifest. But it's this. <laughs> See, I labeled it as a Hakai. Um, like from, from Super, where the gods of destruction uh, do a move where they, and they oh, yeah. literally say Hakai, and it's a beam just like that, or a ball, rather, just like that. Just a ball of destruction, yeah. It, it really is, though. It's like this big black bouncy ball, basically. And he flings it right at Shigaraki, who just takes it full force, pretty much. I mean, it's not like there's a whole lot he can do about it. This thing is huge. And we see Shigaraki remembering his grandparents as he's being like flung back into the background. And he's talking about how they were... Cr- 
they were kind, you know, and we are seeing these images of them being friendly looking to him and, and kind. And he says, but that's not it. And then he starts to remember everything and it gets, it gets pretty crazy. And he says, you know, all I wanted back then. And we, we kind of trail off a little bit and it goes back into Reed Destro, who is standing there, assuming he's destroyed Shigaraki, he's killed him or whatever. And he gets a call from what I listed in my notes as the computer guy, but it's named Skeptic. Uh, Skeptic, yeah. Skeptic's like, dude. Did you see the thing that I posted on uh, Twitter the other day that oh, I about forgot to mention in our last him episode? choosing to make a human desk? Yeah, like, that's what his quirk is, is to just make, you know, f- uh, basically puppets. puppets out of inanimate objects. And so in those episodes, he had, like, a human being-shaped thing holding up his computer that's by choice. Like he had a desk, but he wanted a human desk, which is super creepy, but also kind of awesome. Well, a human desk can follow you around. You know, you could have a standing desk, a sitting desk. You could walk down the hallway and your computer follows you. Yeah, I need to rewatch those episodes because in my head there were like two guys. And I wonder if one of them was a chair because if he has yeah, a that's chair what it was. and he desires to have a human chair, <laughs> that's even worse. The real question is, is who is he modeling them after? Like, who does he have a grudge against, you know? Ah, oh, that's a good question. Is it like his first He's, he manager? Must have some at, sort of default or template. Maybe. Like, I'm just thinking it's some sort of weird punishment thing. Like, the first manager he had at his first job, he really hated or something. So, you know. Or he's staying on uh, on theme and it's his dad. Oh, yeah, that, that would totally make sense. I'm telling you, after... Well, I'm going to say that later. So let's get back into okay. what's going on with Shigaraki. <laughs> he's being flown around. Uh, Redestro thinks he's killed him, pretty much. Skeptic calls in and is like, dude... They had the biggest thing hidden. This is crazy. There's this thing attacking. It's blowing everything away. You got to figure this out. Or, and it, he's losing his mind. Gigantomachia has arrived, and it is totally thrown them off. They were not expecting this amount of power. Redestro literally just drops the phone. like It cracks, and he drops it, and Shigaraki is running right at him, and he's totally blown away. He's like, how did you get away f- with this? Like I've been trying to come up with this super move. I've been working on it since I was a little kid. And he realizes that his hand cracked, and that's actually probably why the phone dropped. Where he was able to throw this burden move at Shigaraki, Shigaraki was able to touch him very, very quickly, like in a split hair second, and slowly crack away that part of his hand. And so Redestro is like, oh, crap, I really underestimated him. Yeah, I love Shigaraki's response here, too, because he says, he says, what will I make? That's what you asked. You're right, I... I don't want to make anything. I just want to destroy stuff. Um, and so Redestro takes this personally, and he's like, well, then disappear, because a world with no creation has no future. And Shigaraki's just like, I don't need a future. Yeah. You know, let's do this thing. Yeah. He's basically thrown away all, uh, you know, uh, self-preservation measures, which I think is what Redestro was saying, that he's kind of put his protective, his self-protective instincts aside just to have the opportunity to, to destroy just a small piece of me. Um, which is scary to think that somebody has no regard for themselves and also a hatred of you. That is a bad combo. Absolutely. Like if they've got nothing to lose, you know, and I think that we we kind of see something from the doctor later on because he mentions that Shigaraki needed to be put up in a corner and he absolutely is like he's in a rough spot after what, three months of no sleep fighting nonstop. And now he's fighting potentially the strongest person he's ever fought. He's definitely up against a wall, and he's proven himself for sure. Whenever this all takes place, uh, we start seeing even more flashbacks, and it starts off with Shigaraki's dad getting on to him for basically playing hero. And it turns out that his dad has literally one rule, and that's like, don't talk about heroes, don't want to be a hero, you know, don't have any association with heroes at all. 
And we get a lot of these scenes with Shigaraki like scratching himself, uh, like he kind of has the entire time we've known him. And his mom talking about it being his allergies and like, oh, well, we don't really know what you're allergic to. But I feel like even from the get go, it's pretty obvious that this is like a almost anxious reaction to being around someone that is abusing him the way this dad is. I mean, it's pretty straightforward from the get go that he is very, very strict about this one rule. Yeah. And this itching, this allergy is is kind of like a side effect of his quirk going unexpressed. It's almost like described as like quirk blue balls uh, yeah, later on in, in yeah. one of the two episodes. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that because I have I had some psychological thinkings around some of that, um, but we'll save it for when it actually gets brought up. But he's still, he's five years old here. He hasn't manifested his quirk yet. Um, and he's being told by his father that if you if you become a hero, all that you're going to do is cause suffering. Um, so he's, he's being taught. He's being... Uh, He's being indoctrinated from a very early age, and we get to find out here uh, shortly why it is that his dad has this particular stance, but we get a little bit of background. His dad was wealthy very early on, built this two-family home so the in-laws could live there. Um, Tenko was caught playing hero, like you said, and and he's he's frustrated. He's a kid, so he's trying to figure out why his dad would hate him, and his mom's trying to get him to understand that he doesn't hate you. He just knows it's hard to be a hero. Um, and, and she just kind of leaves it at that for now. But then we have Hannah come, uh, or Hannah probably, uh, come in showing uh, Tenko this picture of Nana Shimura, which we had seen in a, in a very, a much more brief flashback in an earlier episode where he, she's explaining, this was our grandmother and she was a hero. And she says, we need to keep it a secret from dad, but then you and I can go and try to be heroes our, ourselves, like sibling heroes. And I, I couldn't remember if any heroes that we'd come across so far had siblings that were heroes. Were some of the Pussycats sisters? I thought two of them were sisters. But okay, I could that be would wrong. That makes some sense. Yeah, I could be wrong, too. Um, that, that was my initial guess on, on asking that question out loud. But, um, but yeah, so it's, uh, it, it's, it's thrown out there that it's, this is our little secret, and she initiated this, but we, we find some... We, we find that that gets twisted a little bit almost immediately. Yeah, it's really sad because like Tenko is out playing with his dog. He's just, you know, having a good old time. And it seems like his quirk manifest. He's like throwing a dog ball and it, you see his hand kind of not twitch, but there's like a power around it or something. And there's a noise that's made and the ball slowly gets destroyed and we see it just disintegrate. And then the dad finds out about the picture and finds out that Tenko may have been in his office and he starts freaking out. And he's going after him and running. And in the background, we hear the sister lying to the, the parents and saying like, oh, well, Tenko wanted to see it. It wasn't that I, you know, went and got it or anything. It was that he wanted to see it. And immediately, like, we see this poor kid just starts like scratching at his face and stuff. And Shigaraki's talking about how that itch that he's always had started itching from inside of his stomach. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's crazy. Like, I can't even imagine the way they, they set all this up is just pretty horrendous. Uh, but the father's freaking out and says, look, that's not your grandmother. That's a monster. And that's uh, someone that abandoned her kids. And he's, this is where he says, you know, heroes hurt their families. And he actually slaps poor Tanko. And uh, we get a little bit more background because it kind of transitions to the dad looking at the picture in his office and reminiscing about what happened. And it seems like Nana Shimura, who we, we knew was Tenko's grandmother, or Shigaraki's grandmother, um, it sounds like she pretty much left his name is Kataro behind because she was worried about the bad guys getting them, which is a pretty 
basic trope, I feel like, when it comes to hero storytelling, you know? This always happens, it feels like. Yeah, and I feel like she was concerned about a very specific bad guy because she says in the note um, that she has to go and fight. Uh, in the anime, it's different than the manga. I think in the anime, she says, go fight some really bad guys. But in the manga, it's your mom has to go fight a really bad guy now. Well, that's interesting. Um, and she's she's writing it in such a way that she's implying, I don't think I'm coming back from this one alive. And so in the anime, when she says, I'll be watching over you from the sky, sounds like she has the power of flight and she could do that. She could creep <laughs> on her own child for whatever reason. But in the manga, it's more like, I'm going to be watching you from heaven. Um, and so it's almost like a, her, I, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm leaving and I'm not going to be coming back kind of note. Yeah. That's interesting that you've said that. And I'm glad you did too, because like in the anime, I, I didn't get the feeling that she was like flying above him or anything, but it was more along the lines of, Hey, I'm a hero now. So I'm going to leave you because you might get hurt. It was more general, but it sounds like in the manga, it was more like, Hey, I'm going to go fight the guy that's going to kill me. So I'm going to have to leave you behind. Uh, which is yeah, changes I mean, the, the tone the a whole lot. I mean, that's a very more understandable note. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. I think that the anime makes it feel a lot more like Spider-Man a little bit. Yeah. Where Spider-Man knows that he needs to keep his identity under wraps to keep the people that he loves safe. And so he takes certain measures. This is just hers. Uh, but yeah, the the manga, the way that it presents it is kind of like this is... She'd been with him for a while. I mean, uh, Kotaro is, you know, a few, five, seven years old. Um, it, I think when... Because we get flashbacks here. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's even one as a kid. where she looks like Sue, I thought. She's like, looks like Sue and she's playing with them. So yeah, you're right. He's like definitely seven, eight by the time that she gives him this note and leaves, I guess. Yeah. So I think the timeline is all for one is 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 becoming a, a, a major threat and she's going to go toe to toe and right. she doesn't think she's going to come back. So I, I think the there's merits, I think, to both treatments. I think that both of them are fine. Um, uh, but I think I, the manga does it better I think there. That the, yeah, I agree. I mean, the anime does make it. I think that the, the anime spin on it makes Kotaro seem a little bit more justified in the way that he thinks and acts towards heroes, right? It was, mom didn't just leave me to, you know, to go and fight this one last battle. She left me and she was out playing hero while I was abandoned. Right. And yeah, I could I understand that making you pretty salty. Sure. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. But I think the manga does a better job of making it sound like it was a final goodbye, not a, hey, I don't have time to deal with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. well, anyways, the, the, the mom finds out, I don't think we even get her name. Uh, Tenko's mom finds out that, or not finds out, I'm going to start over. Well, anyway, so Tenko's mom shows up and is like, hey, look, if you're going to treat the kids this way, I am not going to follow your rules, which I'm assuming maybe there were more than just the hero rules. Like, I'm, it sounds like maybe there's a lot more going on that we're not aware of, right? If he's got the one crazy rule, he might have more that we don't really fully know. Uh, but we transition back outside where Tenko is like just curled up under this tree. He's scratching, he's crying, and he's petting his dog, and he's going over and over and over his, in his mind kind of what's happening and what has been happening. And this poor kid accidentally kills his dog, like just disintegrates it, which freaks him out because he immediately like is like, what, what's going on? Like he doesn't realize his quirk is, is manifested. And his sister comes out to apologize about the situation and sees what's going on and she starts freaking out. The whole thing is just nightmarish. Tenko explains it, uh, or Shigaraki technically is speaking backwards over all this. And he was saying that he thought that it was a villain that was coming after him for the dog and then also for uh, Hana. 
but then he realizes that it was him when it when it came to uh, his family, his mom, his grandparents, and then for certain his dad. Yeah. Uh, I thought that this was kind of strange too, and I, I don't think I realized that there was this weirdness with the way that Shigaraki's quirk is displayed. But like, it's especially true um, with the dog. Like he touches the dog, and it looks like the dog turns to ash and crumbles. But then when you look down at the dog, it's it's in pieces and lying in puddles, a giant puddle of blood and chunks. And stuff. So the yeah, the visuals on it are kind of strange, but it still communicates what it needs to communicate. We're just being nitpicky at that point. Well, I don't um, know. I feel like there but, is some level of like him controlling it to the extent of like either full dust or almost there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. It makes it look like the, they're like a strong wind would blow them, you know out to sea basically and then the, then then they're very chunky and still True. very wet um so I, I don't know i'm 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 being a little nitpicky with it but because the visuals communicate two kind of different things sure. here but you know it is what it is uh but he he realizes about this time um that he understands that this was him and he's frustrated with the fact that this goes back to the scene where he, uh, the kotaro finds out about the uh the photograph the kids finding it uh, he's being smacked by his dad multiple times out in his front yard. The rest of the family is there as audience. Th- that's it. I mean, he wanted them to intervene, to interject, even for his sister to own up, you know, and, and rescue him in that in that very small way, but still significant way. And they didn't. Um, they, they didn't say anything. And they tended to almost non-verbally communicate that they they were maybe not on Kataro's side, but certainly not setting themselves against him for Shigaraki's sake. Uh, and then this is where we get one of the most heartbreaking visuals um, in both the manga and the anime, but I think that it's more, it's better communicated in the anime actually, where Shigaraki or Tenko put, places his hands on the ground uh, and his, his quirk is activated and it's kind of moving out and away from him towards the house, towards his family. And it starts to have that visual crumbly effect on his mom. But instead of the mom running away in fear or even out of self-preservation, she moves towards Tenko mm-hmm. for that entire time until she literally falls to pieces. And that that movement towards the danger, towards her son, uh, that spoke to me in a pretty big way. I love that. It it touched that was a very moving thing uh to see is this mom moving towards her son, even though that was ensuring her death, that she was still reaching out um, for for her son. Um, that was super powerful. Yeah, no, it really was. And after he he kills her and the grandparents, he's standing there and like the dad nonchalantly walks out of the room upstairs and like down down the stairs. He probably isn't expecting anything, walks outside and he finds Tanko in the middle of this horror scene, really. And poor Tanko's just sitting there apologizing, like talking about how sorry he is for everything that's happened. And and then he goes and jumps and does kill his father. And, and Shigaraki is overlaying this, saying, you know, at this point, I had full intent to kill. This was absolutely what I wanted. And when it was done, I had an absurd sense of pleasure that was going through my body. And I did not itch anymore. And then we end the episode right there. Like, it's, it's, that, that leaves a heavy tone, man. Yeah, I I meant to mention this too earlier when he was laying in the yard. I can't remember if it's right before he du- he dusts his his family outside of his father. Is he scratching himself so hard that he gives himself that that scar over his right eye um, mm-hmm. that we've seen forever? And I think he's got one 
down around his chin somewhere like on his lips um, too. as well. Yeah. Yeah, and we yeah, and we see this. This is this is where he gets those scars. It kind of reminded me, you know, of Kaminari when when his not Kaminari, Kirishima. When Kirishima's hardening ability first manifested, he had that cut over his eye. Um and so now we see uh Shigaraki gaining his as he's scratching and he just gouges these spaces on his faces or on his one singular face uh and and leaves these uh lasting marks. Very, very oh man, this episode super dark extremely well illustrated yeah. extremely well drawn in the manga absolutely worth uh looking at just the still images of this but man does the anime communicate so much of that uh energy in this in this uh particular story beat for this villain um extremely well no joke man i was gonna ask you you know there was a lot of i'm gonna use the word controversy over the scene with shigaraki getting his i'm assuming powers or new quirks from the doctor and how it wasn't animated as truthfully to the source as people wanted it to be did you feel like this particular sequence was as close to the manga or or you know like as gruesome i guess in the manga yeah i feel like these were in much closer lockstep um i didn't feel like i was robbed anything in the anime in fact because of the benefits of the medium of moving pictures versus still pictures in a comic, the anime communicates this, presents it extremely well. In some places and in some ways, I think it enhances what is presented on the pages of the manga. For instance, with the mother mm-hmm. moving towards Tenko, that is depicted in you know a panel or two in the manga, but that, that movement of her persistently, insistently moving towards Tenko, even though it is literally killing her, reaching out and, and their hands just touching very briefly before she begins to crumble. That got me. Like, watching that was hard. Yeah, that was hard. I, I know when I was watching this episode, like, the last, what, 15-ish minutes, my jaw was, like, on the floor. I was like, what is going on? Like, this is so crazy. Uh, so we pick up the very next episode right where we left off. I mean, it's Shigaraki. He's he's walking out in the streets. He's this little kid. He doesn't have any shoes on. He looks like a mess. He's got blood all over him. And he's walking around wanting and hoping that somebody will save him. And that's not happening. I mean, people are just walking right by him. They see this poor lost kid. He looks rough. They They don't want to deal with him. A stranger even walks up and is like, are you okay? What's going on? And as he looks up at her, we get this this scene of this face that is just, I mean, something that's seen horror, like true horror and experienced something. It's shock. And the the woman is like, oh, well, I'm sure there's a hero around somewhere and, and runs off. And so he even mentions here, Shigaraki saying, you know, I, I wonder at that time if someone had reached out to me and just offered their hand, if that itch would have stopped then, would I be a different person? Would I be somewhere else? Uh, and, and that's pretty crazy to think about, you know, like just if one person has stopped to help him, he may not be where he is today. Oh, yeah. I mean, he is struggling with this nature versus nurture argument, and he's looking around going, where is the nurture? Yeah. What are what are the factors that are shaping me? Um, it was his family, primarily his father, and we saw how that ended up. He's hoping for somebody to come and be a positive nurturer. Uh, and instead, what he gets is all for one, who essentially, um, I mean, he, he is he does fit the nurture bill, but it is not a good kind of nurturing. He's he's grooming for one thing. I think that there is a strong argument to be made that he's literally grooming Shigaraki, and that term comes strapped with a lot of negativity. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also tr- denies uh, Shigaraki the ability to develop the things that a positive nurturer would allow to develop, um, would naturally develop, even in a neutral 
um, environment. Uh, he like he he goes so far as to say at one point I can't remember how far ahead I may I may be here, but since I'm on this stream of thought, he he says you know the the things don't matter outside of you, morality, structure, mm-hmm. society, culture. Just do whatever is already inside of you, which is him saying, we're not going to let anything else in. Don't let anything else in. Just let the id that is, uh, you know, this this force, this Freudian, you know, uh, very primal kind of force within you. Let that be all that there is. Whereas normally, even around this time, like according to Freud's uh, theories around the id and the ego and the superego, five, six, seven is where you start to develop that superego. Um, that that thing that kind of tempers your id brings some of those impulses under your control, uh, and all for one doesn't allow for that. He suppresses that, and so what we end up with at the end of this episode is Shigaraki's id. That's all that he is. He he doesn't have any temperance because it would have come here through nurture, um, and it's denied him. It, it is it is it is allowed to go undeveloped within him at the very least. Absolutely. I mean, there's. There are these scenes here where uh, All for One is explaining that the itch that Shigaraki has really is this urge to kill and that it is so strong it's just being manifested as this itch. Uh, which, you know, I don't, I don't know that I fully agree with that, but I, I see what he's doing. He's doing exactly what you're talking about. He's grooming him and he, he wants him to become what he calls the symbol of fear, you know, the exact opposite of All Might. And we see this poor scene where this kid's getting picked on by some random bullies. Like, he's laying up in this this alley, and he's about to kill these bullies, and then he doesn't. And that's where we see him, like, writhing on the floor, scratching his face. And all for one is saying, hey, look, you know, the reason you're feeling this way is because you're bottling up your urge to kill. So just go out and be you. Just do your thing. And, and do it well. And he, this is where he says what you mentioned, where he shouldn't basically be bound by worldly rules. And he tells him to go do his thing. And, and so we see... Uh, Tanko say like I want to kill these people then that's what I want to do and and so all for one tells him to do it and we see that exact thing happen you know the bullies are skulking around Tanko comes out of this alley with all the hands covering him and walks up and just murders these these bullies as the doctor and all for one are watching from above and the doctor it's kind of weird because the doctor's like oh that's strange I thought he lost his memories and all for one's like well they're locked up um, and this is where he says that he is subconsciously suppressing his quirk, which made me think that maybe he has some level of degree of disintegration, like whether you're chunky or dusty, I guess. I don't know how else to put that, you know? <laughs> yeah. It sounds kind of like you're describing like KFC wings, but yeah. I, I understand what you're talking yeah, about. Like how, yeah, how well gosh. are you blended? You know, are you a chunky blend? Are you, yeah. are you pureed? Uh, but I, I mean, this is where he calls him. Like, I want this kid to become a symbol of fear. Yeah. And there's so much going on here because when, when Tenko says to offer one, I want to go kill those two guys, he reaches out and he actually disintegrates one of his dad's hands. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the severed hands. He's like, this is what I want. I want, I want to kill, uh, these two just as much as I wanted to kill my dad, you know? Um, and so he goes dust these two bullies um he's he's spoken over by all for one as being this big symbol of uh of fear that causes destruction or or maybe craves destruction and that this is his big step towards that and shigaraki is down there tenko's down there and he's just like i feel like i'm going to be sick but i'm also really calm i feel like i'll be forgiven of anything which is him saying i could do whatever i want um and so he comes out of this uh with a total of 14 hands because 
uh, all for one ends up replacing uh, just with some rando's hand. My my personal headcanon theory is that the one hand that survives at the end of this episode is that rando hand. Like, you think so? <laughs> he no longer has the hands of any of his parents. It's just like, oh crap! The one, of course, the one that makes it through is some, you know. Uh, some donor hand yeah. that offer one rounded up for me just so I had an even number. That's funny. Um, but yeah, that, that was pretty funny. And this, this is another one of those episodes where we get the title like here instead of right at the very beginning. And uh, I had a list too in my notes. Let me see if I can find it really quickly where um, we had mentioned that these are two origin episodes, but these aren't the first of the origin episodes. In fact, we've had several over the course of uh, this run in My Hero Academia, and it started actually with the very first episode. Uh, do you remember what the name of the first episode of um, My Hero Academia was called? Oh, God, no. Not, a, not at all. It was called Izuku Midoriya Origin. Okay. Uh, that was episode number that. one. Episode 20. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hopefully, yeah, it's, it's fine. I mean, there's we've had five total, or yeah, two, four, five total, including... These two, Tenko and Tomura Origins. Izuka Midoriya was episode one. Shoto Todoroki Origin was episode 23. That was the episode that was Deku uh, versus Shoto in the sports fest. Okay. Um, where he finally convinces him to use his fire. Uh, and then we had Katsuki Bakugo uh, Origin in episode 37, which was the final exam episode, I think, where it was like Bakugo and Deku versus All Might for the final test. Wow, really? That doesn't even feel like an origin in comparison to some of these other episodes, especially these two. Like, I feel like we might have seen one still shot of him as a kid, like looking at All Might through a TV screen or something. Nothing to the extent that we saw for Shigaraki. Yeah, I felt like that one stuck out a little from the others, um, but it's also been a long time since I saw episode 37. True. So I'm willing to see the fact that I probably forgot much about it. Um, but we pick back up and we learn of Tenko Shimura's new name, uh, which is going to be Tomura Shigaraki. Uh, Tomura, all for one explains, is uh, the, the term for mourning. Uh, and he says that Shigaraki is actually his last name. I wonder if all he's telling once. the truth or if he made that up. I, don't, I mean, I just don't trust him. So I, that's like a mundane thing I would second guess, <laughs> you know, but right. it was kind of one of those like, huh, that's interesting that he would give him his last name like that. Uh, but we transition over back to the fight. Shigaraki says he doesn't need anything. There is no future. The league can do whatever they want after this. And Redestro, I think, is freaking out because he decides to go 100% stress and he uh, kind of like levels up again. Like he, he reminds me of Frieza. Like he's got all these different forms. Um, and so he attacks Shigaraki, who summons this, like, I don't know, dark purple like energy. I don't know if his quirk is manifesting in another way now or what, but he definitely. It's the. It's the burden attack again. He's just using oh, is that it, what it in is? both okay. hands instead of one. Okay. Because yeah. to me, it looked like Shigaraki was like blocking it somehow with some purple energy himself. And I was like, okay, this is new. Uh, but we, we transition over to see Gatan, who has been fighting Dobby. Uh, or is it Getten? Gatan? Getten? Getten? Yeah. Yeah, whatever. People don't like it when we get names wrong. So, you know, I'm trying to be a little accurate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but leave us that one star view, please. Please, yeah. Uh, so, anyways, he, he is attempting to try to i guess go after redestro because he realizes that like gigantomaki is headed that way um and we transition back over to shigaraki there's a lot of back and forth here uh but we do see that gatan is going to try and go save redestro along with a handful of other people they know gigantomaki is headed that way 
Uh, so we back over to Shigaraki, who's just looking messed up. Like the dude's got like a broken foot that he's dragging along. He's bloodied all over the place. And he's like, you know, I get it. I get why you're coming after me. Like destroying something you love or something you hate is a lot of fun. And this is where Redestro starts to do some more leveling up, I think. I mean, he, he's going into like, hey, look, the, the power that I have is really a means to an end to just liberate the people. I want everyone to be able to use their quirks however they want, you know. And as he's saying this, he mentions that he can change fear into power, too. And he, he does make a quick mention that his stress is actually receding. Like, as he's watching Shikaraki kind of lay out his, his story, I guess you could say. Uh, and he launches these missiles up in the air that surround him and basically transforms him into like a Gundam. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of unexpected to me, but he calls it... It's like an Iron Man suit. He calls in Veronica, yeah. you know, the Hulkbuster armor. Yeah, it's a lot like the Hulkbuster. Uh, he names it Detonarat's it's pretty cool to Burden Amplifying Steel Pressure Mechanism Claustro. Yeah, it's, it's, a, yeah, it's a mouthful, yeah. that thing is. It <laughs> looks dope. It's, it's very poorly titled. Um. I did want to talk about, you had mentioned the fact that Redestro is kind of struggling. He's like, I, I can turn fear into power as well, but I feel like I'm depowering. I'm losing power. He's just like, it's not fear that I'm feeling. It's something else. And the thing that he's feeling, I think, is awe yeah, or I think so respect too. or recognition. Um, and, and I think that, you know, that's definitely where he ends up. But I think here he's starting to hear his Shigara- hear and also see in Shigaraki liberation and so he's like oh that this is this is what it actually is all about absolutely and that doesn't stress him out at all but this new suit apparently does it like drives a bunch of rods down into his skin that probably pretty stressful i would imagine well he does go up to stress 150 percent, so i would guess so i do want to say something though because you just you made me realize like this is a really nice bookend to the end of this attack because at the beginning of this attack we had the lady i can't remember her name but she was the news reporter wanting to make Toga this symbol. Curious. Curious, thank you. Curious was wanting to make Toga this symbol for the Meta Liberation Army and, and make her this kind of like, hey, look at this person that had this strange quirk and, and society treated her differently. You know, she could really be the one that brings to light our cause. And we're ending with the head honcho, you know, the original commander, Redestro, realizing that exact thing with Shigaraki, which I think is really cool. Yeah, even more than that, you know, Toga was going to be an illustration. Shigaraki becomes the leader. Right. That's a big it's, difference. It is. But I see, I see what you're talking about. Sure, sure. So Shigaraki is uh, like, kind of like, oh, wow, that's kind of a cool suit. You know, I feel like he says something like, well, that's nice. 150% stressed out. Okay. And Gigantomachia is just like making his way. He is trying to get down that way. Uh, to take out Redestro. And so we're all kind of coming to this head here where it seems like they're all going to meet. And we transition back over to see Twice, who is carrying Toga, and Dobby and Mr. Compress are like talking to the doctor, and they're like, hey, you got to get us the heck out of here. Like, Gigantomachia is here. Things are getting crazy. This is not going well. And the doctor's like, well, I'm sorry, can't help you out. Jimmy gets tonsillitis if I, you know, transport people too often. Which I think it's Mr. Compress that is like, BS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, get me out of here. <laughs> this is a really interesting scene to me because, number one, Twice is giving himself a piggyback ride just because, you know, that's what his quirk does. I just think that that's fun. right. Um and he, he's he's taking the togas uh, and they're trying to get them uh, out of danger. I think this might also be the scene where like Gigantomachia just Oko's getting just like one hit punches yes. this dude out of the sky. Yeah. 
Because there's some weird, um, like, the, the, getting background here, isn't there? Like, where we see, like, a quick flashback to Reed Estro being like, you're great, keep being great. And then getting gets wrecked. Yeah, <laughs> that was a, that was a little earlier. So maybe the getting uh, Oko was a little bit earlier as well. But, um, yeah, the doctor has this issue because he's like, I don't want to get in too deep with people who've given away their location. So get rid of the MLA and then I'll warp you out, maybe. So I guess maybe he suspects that one of the quirks on the ground could possibly track or pursue them, even if they teleported. I guess that's what his I mean his hesitation is. Chances are fairly high if you if they really have a hundred and ten thousand people there, like Redestro keeps claiming, then it's possible. I don't see why not. I liked too where Dobby in this scene was just like, "Dang!" and I was just about to burn up that ice dude, and I was like. Yeah, that's what I would have said if I was in your position, <laughs> burning myself to death and losing, yep, yep, and then getting out of jail for free. I'd have been like, I would have flexed too, just to see if anybody bought it. Yeah, no, I was looking <laughs> the same thing. I was like, Dobby, shut up! You did not have that fight on lock. Like you were about to get taken down for sure. Uh, I- so let me ask you this question here too, because we we kind of get into another flashback where All for One is saying to Shigaraki, he's saying, if you can have both hate and joy, then you'll be free. I don't know why this didn't hit me until when he said this in this particular scene, hundred plus episodes in. Why in the world doesn't all for one just take Shigaraki's quirk? Because I think he realizes he maybe is getting old, needs to be replaced, just like All Might. When it's convenient for storytelling too, right? But like, I think ultimately he realizes that he's getting older. He may die. Maybe he's not found a quirk that provides everlasting life. He's got to pass on this like dark figure you know if there's going to be a symbol of peace he feels like the world has to have balance and have the symbol of fear as well i think there's a lot more going on with 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 his plan than we know about too i think there's more to it yeah i mean it's i don't know why i was never just like dude if you like this quirk you took freaking one of the wild pussycat quirks just because you liked it i don't i also don't think it's a quirk thing with shigaraki i think he founds the like epitome of look how bad the society is look how bad heroes are this is a direct you know correlation between uh someone that is involved in hero life and wanted to be a hero like this is someone i can use as an example to destroy all of that very easily he's already broken all i have to do is be the person he looks up to yeah, because I, I think I don't know. There's a part of me that's just like you, this would have been uh, this would you just saved a whole lot of time if you were just like that's a good quirk. I think I could do anything that I wanted to with yeah. it. Yeah, take you're you not know? wrong, but I think you wanted to leave a legacy of some kind. Yeah, I don't know for yeah, him to I, have I kinda, been around though. Now that I'm thinking about it, he's got to be a hundred years old. He's got to have some sort of a quirk that has given him extra life. Yeah, I mean, he definitely has like uncanny healing abilities yeah. at minimum so yeah i don't know so, maybe he just wants to be chaotic yeah i think i think you hit the nail on the head but it's still a, a fun question to ask that i never asked before and I, I think you hitting the nail on the head was you just saying well you know like it makes for good story yeah. and, and it makes some sense of this you know him grooming this child uh to have an heir essentially instead of him just being the one to do it but i also think that it makes all the sense in the world to his character a bit to just take what he wants and then go and do with it as he wills and imagine like if he had had this um shigaraki's quirk when he fought against all might um which came a little while later so not only would he have just like it's not like he would have just gotten it this is 10 15 years later um when when they had the the showdown in Kamino, maybe not fifteen, but at least ten. I mean, these are teenagers. Shigaraki and Deku and all those guys are around the same age. 
um, when, when that particular battle went down. So in that amount of time, he could have not only had that ability, but honed it, grown it, understood it better, slapped it onto three or four other quirks to make a, a ridiculously large, you know, decaying fist of doom or whatever he would have called it. Uh, and it might've, yeah, I think he could have, he, he could have won. I, th- I think he could have won pretty handily. Oh, yeah. And no, absolutely. You know, then you don't have, yeah, I don't know. It's a silly, it's a stupid question, but it's also kind of one that I was like, huh, this seems like a question that's so obvious it should have been asked earlier, but it is. Well, and the answer is, if that was the case, we wouldn't have my hero probably. So, right. That's I mean, true. like the other thing I, I, I kind of just realized too, is I, when we found out that Shigaraki was not a Shimura's grandson, I kind of was under the impression that maybe all for one did this specifically with Shigaraki because, Hey, you know what, what would hurt all might more than anything other than getting his, you know, one person that he really looks up to his master and corrupting someone from that family. But based off this episode and these two episodes, I kind of feel like it was by luck that he came across Shigaraki. I mean, there's no proof here that he like, has some sort of, you know, room where he's able to detect other people's quirks, kind of like uh, Charles Xavier or something, you know? So I don't... It feels like by chance that he came across him. I don't think the family tie has anything to do with it. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and that might be the, the the kind of key. I think the motivation you're you're speaking to seems right to me, that he really wanted to hurt All Might in a very specific and unique and lasting way to make him not die, which he could have done if he had Shigaraki's quirk, but suffer um, by leaving that quirk in Shigaraki, raising him up to be this new all-for-one and having that familial tie uh, to, all for, uh, to All Might's, uh, you know, one of his heroes slash predecessors slash mentors. Um, so I think that, that that definitely speaks also to all-for-one's character in a way that satisfies me. Um, I, di- I did make a note too earlier when when All for One meets with young Tenko under the bridge that he had to have had some kind of quirk that allowed him to, uh, well, doesn't have to. I guess it could have been that maybe news got out that the Shimura family had been massacred and the young boy is missing. They didn't find little boy hands, but they found hands of every other person uh, that in that family there. Maybe. Um, or, or he had some way of like divining from Shigaraki maybe the ability to read minds that's not outside of the realm of possibilities for somebody who can take any kind of quirk and house as many as as he wants maybe Occam's razor here but he might have just been walking home and saw a kid that needed help could well he but he he spoke as if he knew things that's true under the totally true no you're right but I like to I'll like what if in a in another world, you know, this was actually a guy. He was trying to redeem himself. He had a bad day. He's like, you know, I'm a villain. I I should be a good guy. Like I've got a lot of power. What what if I did good? And he's stumbling down the all alley or like across the bridge, and he sees this kid, and he's like, all right, I'm going to do a good deed. Let's go figure out what's wrong with this kid. And it happens to be Shigaraki, <laughs> and he's like, oh, but what if? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. Gigantomonkey is watching all of this. Yes. And he's stunned. Like, he has stopped progressing towards uh, Shigaraki. He's staring in disbelief um, because Shigaraki has placed his hands on the ground and has just started decaying everything. Yeah. And so and- Redestro decides to book it the heck out of Dodge and try to... I think he, he suspects, in the manga at least, that uh, Shigaraki's quirk has a specific range. So he's trying to get outside of that range. Fails. Um, his suit is deteriorating, um, and because, uh, 
Shigaraki had managed to block one of these mega punches and get a hand on that suit. So it's decaying around uh, Redestro. He's trying to get out with the rocket boots, trying to get out of this proximity to Shigaraki. Doesn't quite make it. He falls to the ground and his feet touch. Uh, and so he begins to decay um, from his the soles of his feet upwards. And so he grabs a piece of the suit or a piece of debris and basically chops his legs off to keep himself from deteriorating entirely. Yeah, keeping him from getting destroyed. And Shigaraki walks up to him in all of this devastation afterwards. And he says, you know, why are we here? How did we get here? You know why? Because you wanted a fight. I mean, it was the biggest, like, mess around and find out statement, you know? Uh, so he's telling him like, look, this is why we showed up. You wanted to fight us. And, and as he's kind of giving, uh, Redestro the, the third degree in this crater, may I add, which I feel like you probably loved. Cause that's like a huge thing of yours. Uh, trumpet I do love shows up around everybody and is telling the, the folks around him like, Hey, go save Redestro. And when he uses his quirk, uh, the insight quirk, it's like it gets canceled out somehow by Shigaraki. At least that's what they imply. I don't, I don't know how that even yeah. worked or if it did. I don't know either. Who knows? But it's implied heavily in the manga as well that Shigaraki is somehow able to cancel. Yeah, it. and then Redestro pops up the real dumb symbol that the MLA uses with his, you know, thumb on his forehead. He's making an L, and he's like, "Any more fighting is just a waste of life. Let's just stop this." Oh, you know what? Now that I'm looking at it in the manga again, it's not so much that his, uh, that Trumpet's ability or meta ability is negated so much as overcome. I, the way that it's depicted in the manga is that Shigaraki looks up almost invitingly at all these people that he's about to turn into dust. And they are so scared of him that that fear trumps trumpets uh uh bardic inspiration i like that better than just the way that they presented it in the anime was very like somehow he negated my quirk and i feel like even trumpet says something like how did he do that yeah for a minute in the anime before reading the manga i think i was under the impression that somehow uh almost as like a fail safe which is not a bad idea but good luck figuring that kind of thing out but almost as like a fail safe redestro had a way of you know, canceling out Trumpet's ability because otherwise he could just as easily use it against Redestro. But uh, yeah, I think that the manga clears that up on second look. While all this is happening, Gigantomachia is watching and we see like this overlay of all for one on top of Shigaraki and Gigantomachia has seen his leader. Like he's like, okay, Shiggy has proven himself. Um, and Shigaraki is standing there and, and it's funny because uh, he asks, or he has this like flashback where he remembers kind of being broke. Like they're all the league of villains are yeah. <laughs> sitting in this, what, like small broken down warehouse. And I think it's Spinner. That's like, you know, if we had just worked with the Chia Saika, we could be eating sushi right now. And so he asks Redestro, he's like, well, since you're the you know CEO of Detonat, don't you have some money? And it ends here. This is where yeah. the, the assault ends. And so we flash forward a week later, and we find out that in the midst of this flash forward that the MLA basically fabricates the entire story. This entire scenario, they, they are able to play it up as if, you know, they get these heroes to come in and try and help out, and there are these group of villains that are attacking, but they're a small group, and a handful of civilians actually end up helping out the heroes, and a certain amount of people die. But the whole point was 
the civilians helping the heroes were was what saved the day. And so they're kind of able to use this scenario to back their own teachings and like, hey, look, these civilians yep. were the ones that saved this situation, not the heroes. This is why we should be able to just use our quirks. You know, they took care of this. And and it's mentioned that because Redestro happens to be the CEO of this company that's hosted there, he was in the assault and he has to get the the implants that I think we've actually seen in questions questioned before. Uh, in a previous episode. So that's how he got there. Uh, but the fact that they were able to turn it around and like, that was uh, powerful. That was pretty cool. I'm, I'm going to say. Yeah, it's, they managed to propagandize the heck yeah. out of this entire incident, which is impressive because on paper, the MLA lost. Um, if you look at it from, they went in with their goals and the LOV came in with their goals. Um, the MLA lost, um, but they managed to spin this into a win. Uh, and it progresses even beyond that. As you said, it was actually Compress who made the sushi comment. Oh, and was it? What's funny in the manga is when, yeah, when when Shigaraki says, you got money, right? Like right before he speaks that out loud in the manga, he has the cartoony like light bulb and a thought bubble <laughs> pop up. How inappropriate for that um, moment. <laughs> yeah, it did seem kind of strange. But Compress gets a sushi um, twice as doing this weird uh, mourning ritual for Toga, who is sitting behind him and is creeped out by that. But um, you, you get a little bit of confrontation that's ongoing between the League of Villain and the MLA, or at least these two organizations that used to be separate but are now one, uh, as they get onto an elevator to go down to this big announcement, essentially a big rally, and arguments ensue over our money and what the LOV didn't do, like kill Redestro, for instance. And Hanabata actually catches himself about to refer to Redestro as the Grand Commander, but he stops himself. Mm -hmm. um, and because that's no longer the case. And so we catch up with this big rally. Redestro is addressing everybody, uh, presumably from the MLA that's still around. Uh, and he says that they, they're going to be reborn. I think Gigantamaki is. is even in attendance for this yeah, thing. Yeah, he's down there. Uh, and shit. Shigaraki's down to just one hand, and I, I still think headcanon, it's just the spare one. And uh, he says, not Shigaraki, but Redestro says, I believed without a doubt that the League of Villain was an obstacle until that day. I had blinders on. I was unable to break free from what I'd been taught, but I saw a new liberation. This is not surrender. Uh, Tomura Shigaraki is truly free. And I was filled with awe, which necessitated uh, my abdication. And so he is now the Grand Commander. The MLA and the LOV will unite under a new name, the Paranormal Liberation Front. And uh, Shigaraki in, the, uh, in both mediums says that they're pushing aside the title of villain and allowing this meta framework to be interpreted more broadly. And he announces that he's got these nine lieutenants. He's got Redestro, Anabata, Dobby, Spinner, Compress, Toga twice. Uh, then the puppet guy, uh, shoot, you made me forget his name, Skeptic. Um, and then Blue Overcoat, which I think was getting is Gettin, whatever however you want to say um, his name. The ice guy. Yeah. Uh so yeah, the ice dude. So he's got uh in these nine his lieutenants for his new army. Um and he says, you know, we'll assemble teams on an ad ne as needed basis and build them according to quirks and all that such. Uh the doctor chimes in after this um and says that the plf or the paranormal liberation front is a much better name than the lov which i agree uh i agree yeah, i agree <laughs> but shigaraki's response is like hey you know what maki listen to me so i think i've reached that minimum level that you were talking about um and you know for me i know there's still one more season in this 
uh, one more episode in the season, this would have been a great place to end it, in my opinion, for, for us seeing these two groups together, Shigaraki at the head, him being promised this power if he wants it from the Doctor. That would have been a great cliffhanger. Yeah. But there's still more to come. And before we move forward too much, I do want to mention back when we first get reintroduced to the, the League of Villains when they're eating their sushi, Twice is like all bound up and it sounds like he has more personalities now. And initially I was kind of assuming that maybe Toga had passed away and he she was like one of his other personalities that he's just seeing and she's not really there. But the fact that she's one of the, you know, lieutenants, I guess kind of destroys that. Lieutenants. Yeah. But at first I was like, how crazy would that have been? That would have been a really like weird spin where Toga's actually dead and she's just a figment of Twice's imagination, you know? Uh, that would have been pretty crazy. But I also like here at the end when uh, they're all said and done, Redestro offers Shigaraki a drink and Shigaraki's just like, go away. And Redestro's like, okay, cool. Yeah, see ya. And flies off. I thought that was hilarious. Like, I'm not yeah. messing with this dude anymore. <laughs> He's an enthusiastic number two. Yeah, no joke. Uh, but man, what two crazy episodes. This was a, a lot of fun. I, I, I'm with you. Like, this would have been awesome to have left out on. I, I'm excited to see what we get tomorrow night to kind of give away you know when we're recording this um it's going to be a cool season finale it snuck up on us again i'm pretty sure at least it did me i didn't expect there yeah it did <laughs> i was sitting down right before we started to record and i saw somebody on twitter saying season finale finally comes out tomorrow and i was like of course it yeah. does because we were totally unaware of yeah. it <laughs> for some reason this is like it's so on brand for the amp to be completely clueless about the release schedule yeah, i even like i had been messaging adkins like hey you know i'm pretty sure they're gonna have another like weekend break where they have another episode that doesn't drop for at least a week so you know we'll have to do something and it turns out it's actually over so i guess we'll be getting back into vigilantes uh here shortly but we got one more episode. Yeah, we will. We got one um, more episode. I can't wait to see what they're even going to do. I didn't watch the previews, so I don't even know. I, like you, you could have ended it right here, and I would have had no clue. Yeah, it's kind of um, the after credits was Hawks reporting to some heroes, making press prefer, uh, preparations. There's a brief scene of present Mike looking like he's planking, like it's 2007. <laughs> um, there are some scenes of some UA students in action against some of the machines, kind of like the ones from the entrance exam. Mm. Uh, specifically Mina and Aoyama. Um, and then there's some talk about there's this big signal fire for the start of Total War. Uh, so I think the manga currently, like to date, is in the 320s somewhere. Right now we are in the 240s. Uh, so you're looking at, what, 60, um, 80 uh, total chapters between us and being, or between where the anime is going to conclude and where the manga is currently. Wow. So catching up, yeah. that gap has closed significantly. Jeez. Yeah, that's nuts. I'm guessing, uh, I wonder how much longer My Hero even has. You know, it sounds like, from what I'm hearing, it doesn't sound like it's near an end. So we, we've got a lot more My Hero to go on, I'm sure. But it's, yeah, it's hard, it's hard to judge. Um, but, you know, we, we've said this at the beginning of a couple of our episodes where a lot of people, especially in our Discord, very excited about this particular stretch of the anime and manga. I have in, had many encounters with folks in the wild who really did not like it. Um, but, you know, I think that it has some good value for just being different. And one of the things that it does very interestingly and exceedingly well, I would argue, is give you some foundational background origin information on a villain and, and filling in a lot of those blanks for us instead of it just being, it's a bad guy, just take 
take that for what it is and move on. Instead of there being a bad guy of the week kind of format like Scooby-Doo, um, we have Shigaraki, who is extremely well-developed. In fact, uh, you know, maybe maybe more so than a lot of other villains that we see in any other media. Absolutely. Um, so to kind of close down this episode, and I know we're going a little long, but I thought this would be kind of interesting for us to, to kind of brainstorm, talk about if there were any other villains in any other media that we thought got a similar treatment, you know, where they got in a, a, at least relatively massive amount of attention paid to how they came to be the way that they are um, and who those characters might be, how, how those backgrounds were handled if you liked that particular treatment. So do any names come to mind for you? Oh yeah, there are several. Um, in fact, you know, the, the first one that kind of came to mind to me was Sinestro from the DC Comics universe. He's Green Lantern's kind of arch nemesis. Like he's he's been around almost from the get go. He was a bad guy. He was a good guy. Then he was a bad guy. Now he's a good guy again. Like he's been back and forth, but they've always done a really good job of kind of going back in the past and having, you know, even almost a full blown series for him where they kind of explain how he came to power and how he became corrupted and why he became corrupted and how he was ultimately kind of trying to save his people and almost a redemption arc and then becoming a villain again. So like, I think he's a really good one that they've just fleshed out really well over the last, gosh, like 70 years. I mean, he's been around for a long time. It's interesting that you mentioned Sinestro because last weekend I really hated myself. I was really down. So I decided to watch the Green Lantern movie <laughs> with uh, Ryan Reynolds because uh, I'd never seen it before. And Sinestro's in that. I'd never seen the movie, have not read many Green Lantern comics, but I do remember thinking, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's a bad dude eventually yeah. if he wasn't before this movie and has since turned good. And then I was also like, how wise can the Lanterns be when they have a guy whose name is Sinister with an <laughs> O at the end parading around as a good guy? I mean, he was a little shady and salty in the movie, too. Mark Cross um, is an but, incredible uh, anyway. Sinestro, too. Like, if they ever do another Green Lantern anything, I need him to be Sinestro. He was perfect. What, yeah, he looked What great. about you? Um, you know, you... Well, I was going to say, you brought up a DC character. The first one that leapt to my mind was a Marvel character, Magneto. Oh, yeah. Um, his background um, as a, a young Jewish boy during the Holocaust in concentration camps has been well-trodden in comics. And also in the movies, both sets of X-Men movies uh, spend some time spelling that out for us as the audience. And it informs a lot of his, uh, a lot of his ethics, a lot of his principles, uh, a lot of his perspective. Uh, and it is, it is an essential part to that character. It's hard now um, knowing what you do about his background to divorce him from it. And I think that that is powerful. Like it's, it's one thing to fill in a background for a character and it'd be like, eh, it's fine. He's a bad guy, you know, where it's there, but it, it's just bland or un inconsequential. But for Magneto, you can't strip that from him and still have Magneto as, as he should be understood. Uh, so that, I think that one is one that has been really well. Absolutely. Done. And, you know, I would argue Darth Vader is probably a really good example. I mean, we, we've got the original movies where we kind of get Luke's story, but then we get literally a whole set of prequels where, Darth Vader is introduced from a kid all the way to the point where he is becoming the Sith Lord that we know him as. I think that's a really good example of a fleshed out character for sure. Pod racing really did that guy in. It was definitely uh, a factor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Palpatine is also a big part of those prequels. Um, and he persists as a villain inside of Star Wars. Um, Thrawn is another Star Wars bad guy 
that even currently, like he was originally a bad guy in Timothy Zahn's uh, trilogy back. I mean, a while ago, Heir to the Empire, I think is one of maybe the first one. And then there are two or three other mm -hmm. ones. Um, and now Zahn is back writing more Thrawn books that are coming out currently that are filling in a lot of his history. And they are super good. Um, if you have an Audible account or are into audiobooks, Star Wars audiobooks can be very well produced. Like they go so far as to have like series authentic uh, sound effects throughout. And so it's a very dynamic listen. But the Thrawn as a character has always been fascinating to me. He's, he's one of my top ranked like villains of all time. I think Thrawn's even in the Rebels series now. So he's even more mainstream. Like he's out there. He's not just in books. Um, but. Yeah, and he's been mentioned in uh, The Mandalorian. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Huge spoiler alerts for Naruto, um, but uh, Naruto Shippuden. Yeah. Uh, so if, you, if you're watching that, tune out for the next, like, I don't know, minute or two. But if you're not, three, two, one. There, uh, Bito, he isn't a character that has a huge fleshed out oh, backstory. Gosh. I mean, like, holy cow, we, we, we know him as a villain for such a long time. And then when we finally start to get these backstories from all angles, too, that one is just like, damn. <laughs> I mean, that's a complex story. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I don't know how that slipped my mind. I, I watched Ship and didn't like all of it in the last year or two. So that's pretty fresh on my brain. And the way that they handle Obito is very good. In fact, Somebody just the other day was like, yeah, I hated all that flashback stuff and ship it. And I was like, but dude, you can't, you can't understand half of the back end of that show if they don't go backwards in time, especially with regards to Obito and Kakashi. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so, yeah, gosh, that is a really good example. I, uh, that is, that, that's up there as a, uh, an exemplar of what it is that we're talking about. Well, I think. That will wrap us up. I'm curious what all of your opinions are. What do you think? Is there, you know, do you have a favorite character that's got a really good backstory explained? You know, I bet there are a bunch of One Piece villains like this. I feel like there are probably a jillion of those because that series has been going on forever. Um, but, you know, that's all true. of this made <laughs> me really think that, like, we keep hearing this this through line from Deku about how he's the, the, you know, the number one hero. What if he ends up saving Shigaraki? I mean, that's kind of been like his thing, right? Like he saves people. Like we've seen it with Shoto Todoroki. He's trying to help him out. He's trying to help Bakugo in his own way. He's always doing everything he can to help people up to almost like, you know, no extent. Like I, I will do whatever it takes. Do you think that he could save Shigaraki and maybe yeah. they end up taking down someone even bigger, like a bigger villain we've not even been introduced to yet? Or, and the way that you phrased it made me think this. This isn't a thought that I've had before just now. So hot off my brain scrambled <laughs> presses. Remember earlier when I said that it was a dangerous combination for somebody to have no regard for self and also hate for someone else. What if uh, almost like that inverse, not the opposite, but kind of an inverse is also true where Deku gets to the point where he so wants to save Shikaraki um, that he's willing to sacrifice himself in order to do Could that. Be. And so Deku becomes the greatest hero of all time, but he dies achieving that particular status. In fact, that might even be part of how he does obtain that Ooh. status. It's like, how can you top this if you haven't given your life for this, this, this thing that you believe in? Um, that would be really fascinating to me if, if Deku somehow his death or um, the events leading up to it 
were the thing that uh, pivoted Shigaraki somehow. I, I Now I'm even more interested to yeah. see how this stuff plays what out. What if even crazier? Like, let's go another level deeper. We know that one for all is power is sentient. What's going to happen when Nana Shimura sees what happened to her grandson? I mean, that's going to, like, change everything, right? I mean, because that quirk is going to react, I would imagine, in some form or fashion to that. If, if they're able to put the two and two together, holy cow. Yeah, does... does, does... Does uh, Deku know about no, the, the relationship? I don't there? think he does, I but I mean, surely Nana Shimura would recognize her grandson. That's got to be a that's got to come out. That feels like too huge of a plot point to just die here. You know what I mean? Yeah, crap. I wish I had a better memory to to recall for sure if if he was aware of uh, Nana Shimura's grandson being Shigaraki. We know All Might knows yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't remember how far beyond him it, it has gone. But yeah, something to... Oh, and you know, Gran Torino knows that too, sure, of course. Sure, sure. But man, that would, be, that would be crazy. Well, I think we've come up with enough fan theories for today. We've got one more episode of the season. Yeah. So I guess we'll see everybody in two weeks. Uh, last episode of Kyle Cinema comes out next week. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, but we'll see everyone for the season finale in two weeks. All sounds good. See you guys. Almighty Podcast is brought to you by the Back Patio Network. You can follow us on Twitter at AlmightyPod or follow at BackPatioNet for all network news. If you enjoyed what you heard, go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash BackPatioNetwork. You can help support the network, get access to early episodes, and lots of other great stuff. If you want to get to know us, come hang out in our Discord channel. We have lots of fun and would love to have you in there. My name is Adam, and you can follow me on Twitter at TheRealSimso, S-I-M-S-O.